0: What's up everybody and welcome to B2B Made Simple. If you're passionate about marketing, you're in the right place. Whether you're doing marketing for a brand new startup or a hundred million dollar enterprise, you'll learn strategies that'll help you build a solid team, impact your pipeline, and look like an absolute rock star to upper management. Why? Because these guys are the pros. They're not pretending to know the industry, they're in the trenches on a daily basis. My name is Sam Moss. I'm the co-founder of OneClick Agency. We build websites for B2B companies, and I'm also the co-host of this podcast. If your goal is to become the marketer everyone else looks up to, keep listening. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to B2B Made Simple. Uh, great to have you listening uh, today. With me, I have James Winter, and James is um, my special guest, but he's a VP of Marketing at Brandfolder Folder uh, in Denver, Colorado. Um, he's been talking to us about marketing, uh, believe it or not. Surprise, surprise. But James, welcome to the show. It's good to have you here.
1: Yeah, thank you for having
0: me. Appreciate it. Absolutely, man. Um, so what is brand folder? What do you guys do? We're in the digital asset
1: management space, and the simplest way to think about it is we help marketers and creatives uh manage, share, distribute, and analyze all their digital assets. So you can kind of think of it like a Google Drive on steroids of sorts. Uh, a lot of companies really struggle with knowing where their assets are, having them spread out a bunch across a bunch of different areas. People misuse them or use like outdated versions of stuff. So we just make it really easy for people to come into a central repository of content and assets and get what they need and get out.
0: That's cool. How long have you been with them?
1: Just hit that a little bit over two years,
0: Nice. Actually. Do you have a pretty uh, deep background in marketing or is this sort of a, a newer venture for you?
1: Yeah, I've been pretty much my whole career in marketing. That's I cool. studied marketing in college
0: and then got a marketing internship and then just kept it going from there. So you've been rocking it. That's awesome. Um, so let's let's jump right into this. One thing that you've learned, whether it was at Brand Folder or further back down the line, is every marketing team doesn't need um, to be tied to a revenue goal. Uh, why is that? I think it's become really
1: in vogue for marketing leaders to like tie themselves to a revenue goal. And I think it is in a lot of ways a reaction to the sort of darker days of marketing where marketers were supplying a bunch of crappy leads and they weren't really responsible for like what happened to them afterwards. Depending on how long your sales cycle is and how long, how big your average contract value is. I think that is really a determinant of whether or not you should be tied to a revenue goal Mm -hmm. because being tied to a revenue goal is more or less just an exercise in attribution and how good your systems and attribution modeling are. Mm -hmm. If you're in an enterprise sales cycle where you've got a deal length of, you know, 12 months and it's a, $300,000 average contract value. It's really, really difficult for any attribution model to like in a concise manner say these activities and these things led to this much revenue because Mm -hmm. the reality is that a ton of different activities have happened over that, the course of that time. Mm -hmm. And depending on how you measure it, marketing could be Sourcing a bunch of revenue, or it could not be, and it's all dependent on just how good your measurement is and what you're measuring. Yeah, a good example is like if you so currently, marketing sources like 80% of revenue at Brandfolder, um, which I don't think is a particularly good thing in all cases because I think it's better to have diversity of where your pipeline's coming from. But the we we use a first touch attribution model. If we did last touch and we just did like last activity before the opportunity creation, I guarantee you our revenue number would look totally different. And I think that illustrates how completely arbitrary a revenue target can be.
0: Mm -hmm. I mean, what would you say to marketing teams where senior management, that's their lingo, like that's what they want to see at the dollar signs. What would you say in those cases?
1: I think you just have to think about the context of your business. Like if you're in a transactional SMB business where you're closing deals within you know, two weeks, four weeks, I think a revenue goal makes a ton of sense for certain people on the marketing team. I think having the leader of the marketing team tied to a revenue goal is probably fine. I think having demand gen and digital marketing and performance oriented stuff tied to a revenue goal is fine. I don't believe that tying, and this is something that we'll obviously talk more about later, but I don't believe in tying people that aren't directly related to that revenue goal to it. I don't think that's actually like beneficial in any way. So yeah. I think before people decide like, hey, we want to tie this team to a revenue goal, um, and this goes for the SDR team, this goes for the marketing team, it doesn't really matter you have to think about like, A, can you actually predictably measure the revenue that's being driven from certain activities? And does it make sense for your business and like your sales cycle and uh, contract value to be tied to revenue number?
0: Yeah. Uh, How did you guys identify the metrics that made sense for you guys at Brandfolder?
1: So I think the, the thing that was super straightforward is like, I've always tied myself to a pipeline goal. Mm-hmm. And that's, uh, I like that's what I did my last company, that's what I do here. So the sales team likes that. You know, we had um, the only real discussion point between my VP of sales and I on what the marketing goal should be is whether we should be tied to unqualified or qualified pipeline. Mm-hmm. And that's an area where like I, probably wouldn't have done qualified pipeline as a goal initially but he talked me into it and i think that's fine i think the issue that i have with qualified pipeline is like if you look at our data our sales reps qualify things very differently and even if you put a process in place people there's so much of a human element and i always believe in having goals tied to things that people can directly control yeah. And so when you look at two reps in the same segment, like they're both mid market or commercial, but their qualification rates are vastly different. That sort of illustrates the point of like, okay, there's a lot that's happening beyond our control. So we have a qualified pipeline goal. It's fine. Uh, it helps us make sure that the sales team is more accountable for like qualifying things in time and keeping a closer eye on how things are moving. So I think there's a, an added benefit there too.
0: A common problem we see in the B2B industry is companies maxing out their marketing teams because they attempt to handle their website in-house. We see this all the time. From redesigns to regular maintenance, we know it's easy for your team to drown in the amount of work it takes to keep a website updated, secure, and current with the times. And let's face it, working on a website isn't that fun. The worst part, hiring a full-time developer to handle that workload can cost over $100,000 a year. Here at Agency, we build websites for B2B companies for just a fraction of that cost. Whether your website is five pages or 355 pages, our U.S.-based team of designers and developers can handle your website project with ease. If your team is totally capped and needs help with website maintenance or even a full redesign, visit OneClickAgency.com to get a quote today. Visit OneClickAgency.com so your marketing team can get back to doing what they love. OneClickAgency.com uh, an interesting point that you brought up before um, we were recording here was sometimes let's say there's a marketer, a popular marketer, they get on a podcast and they say, yeah, never do this. It doesn't work. Um, I mean, it can be applied to business, entrepreneurship, whatever, but particularly marketing um, and people take that and then they never try it. And they're like, well, so-and-so said it doesn't work. Whether that person has a name or not, um, not calling out anybody in, like directly, but um, Your philosophy is give it a try anyway, because just because it doesn't work for someone else doesn't mean it's not going to work for you. Have there been some instances uh, with you at brand folder or even in the past where someone said, don't try it. And you're like, ah, we'll give it a try. And it worked. Yeah.
1: I I think there's definitely been a lot of them at brand folder. I don't, nothing comes to mind that someone in like the sort of like LinkedIn sphere has said like, don't do this. It never works. But there was a lot of tribal knowledge at Brainfolder when I joined that I think was probably true at one point potentially, but it got outdated. Yeah, A good example is when I joined, people are like, okay, like these three industries are really good for us. But then you dig into the data and they have low contract values or like we might have a lot of them, but they're not a particularly profitable segment. Um, and then that just sort of gets like, perpetuated throughout the whole market motion. And so we are, and especially with COVID, like we're trying to re like challenge everything that we hold dear in a lot of ways because things are different. And also, you know, our product's gotten a lot better. Our reputation as a brand has gotten a lot better. So a segment that we used to say we don't do well with this segment, that might not necessarily hold true anymore. So I think you have to avoid getting in the trap of like, we've tried this and it didn't work or we tried this and it didn't work. And is your business in the same place that it was when that was the case?
0: Yeah. Did you find yourself um, and your team at Brandfolder recently in the past year because of COVID having to scale things back and say, look, we need to hone in on what's working? um, Or was this sort of like an experimental phase for you guys?
1: A little bit of both. We, you know, when, when things first started happening, we definitely scaled everything back cut all of our digital spend for a little while, um, which I think pretty much everyone did. And then uh, as things stabilized a little bit and as deals kept closing, um, you know we had we've had a few of our best quarters in the history of the company this year. So once things returned and we got confidence back, uh, that helped a lot. Mm-hmm. And then obviously being acquired a few months ago uh, by a much larger public company than Smartsheet, they've got a much bigger war chest and so we can afford to be a little bit more aggressive than we were when we were just like a cash flow positive series a startup
0: yeah yeah um something that you guys implement in our compensation plans can you kind of dive into that um how do you guys structure them yeah so
1: i've i've gotten in some arguments with people about this and kind of tied to the, like the revenue goal thing mm-hmm. and at our company we have The company has a revenue goal, um, obviously, and that's based on salespeople's quota. And then the company bonus structure is based off attaining the number. Um, It used to be that all of our bonus was dependent on hitting that number. So if we didn't hit that number, there's no bonus. If we hit it, then you get part of it because we hit the number and part of it because of like kind of manager discretion. Mm -hmm. Um, Since then, we've moved a little bit more towards Teams outside of sales having bonus targets. I mean, we still have to hit the revenue goal as a company, obviously. Yeah. But individual teams like product and marketing and customer success and HR and GNA, um, they have goals that are more heavily weighted towards their individual teams performance. So that, you know, the, the issue that we would run into is like, okay. The product team crushed it. They shipped a bunch of features, fixed a bunch of bugs. They had great uptime, great liability, all this stuff, but we missed the sales target by like $20,000. So now none of them get their bonus. Like it doesn't take a lot of thinking to realize that tying people to metrics they don't directly have control over can be super demotivating.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And you basically keep it within your marketing team. Um, you guys have your own compensation plan. Is that something you come up with? Or do you have to sit down with uh, senior management and say, hey, this is an idea I have to kind of keep our guys um, rearing to go?
1: Yeah, we we revisited it uh, earlier this year. And so we've kind of implemented that. And I'm sure there's going to be some changes to Smartsheet too. Mm-hmm. Um, Luckily, well, our VP of sales, he used to be at a company called Exactly, which is like the you know, commission software and performance software. So he actually has a ton of knowledge about compensation and it's actually really nice working with him because he's taught me a lot about how to build proper incentive structures, um, even for marketing.
0: Yeah. What have you found are some KPIs that you guys kind of structure your compensation plans off of? Anything that's worked that, you know, everybody's like, oh, this is cool. We love seeing that visual and going for it.
1: Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I think one of my more controversial views is that not everything needs to be tied to a KPI.
0: Yeah, okay.
1: I think, uh, you know, one of the things like coming from a product marketing background that I feel pretty strongly about is there's this ongoing internal debate of like what metrics should PMM be tied to? Mm -hmm. And I just don't think there is a metric that you could tie product marketing to that makes sense. And because the scope of their responsibility is so wide, like, you know, there's that saying, show me how I measure it and I'll show you how I'll act. And if you have a bunch of smart people who like have a really intense incentive structure to like hit one certain metric, they're just going to pursue that potentially at the cost of things that you actually want them to be doing. Mm -hmm. That combined with like, okay, one metric that I would love to tie PMMs to is win rate. I think it's very bottom of the funnel. It's like, how are you helping the sales team convert buyers or prospects into buyers? The problem is again, like there's so many steps in between the action that the PMM does and what happens with the customer. Yeah. Um, so in theory I like it, but it's really tough to say like, okay, you did this thing and it affected this thing here, and I can measure the exact link between those. Um,
0: yeah.
1: so I I think a lot of good incentive structures have to have a high degree of management uh involvement and, and like discretion. Mm-hmm. Like there's no metric that someone could give me and and point to a product marketer and say, like, this metric is doing well and
0: it's because of this product marketer specifically. Yeah, well, James, I appreciate you joining me. I think one of the biggest things I'm gonna take away from this, and I think the same with others, is just because someone else um, says it didn't work for them, doesn't mean it's not going to work for you. Everybody's different, every company is different, every marketing team is different, and uh, take some time to try some things. I mean, that could be a challenge for most of us to get out there and if someone said, this doesn't work for us, we'll never do it again man, try and try it, maybe do it a little different and see if you can get some uh, results for it. But James, um, awesome job. I appreciate you being here. Um, where can we find you on LinkedIn? Where can people reach out to you?
1: Yeah, just James Winter on LinkedIn. Um, I'm not hugely active on Twitter. So LinkedIn's probably the place to connect. But um, I think the, the thing that I would, like you mentioned, like push people on is like, try to understand the the basic science of like compensation structures and understand like what's motivating to people and what's not, because yeah. I mean, I'm certainly not an expert and I want to learn more about it, but it's been really helpful for me to like make my team engaged
0: and tied to things that they actually have direct control over. That's awesome. Um, guys, if you have any questions about compensation plans, I'm sure James would be happy to chat with you on LinkedIn, shoot him a DM, ask him some questions, pick his brain. But uh, James, awesome having you here, man. Yeah, thanks for having me, Sam. Appreciate it. Hey everybody, before you go, thanks a ton for listening to the podcast. We would love it if you dropped us a rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. It'll only take you about four seconds. Last thing, if you're in marketing or you simply love it and want to learn more, subscribe to our email list today. You'll get weekly podcast updates as well as a solid marketing tip delivered right to your inbox. So if you want that tip sent to you every single week, subscribe today at oneclickagency.com forward slash podcast. That's oneclickagency.com forward slash podcast, and you'll get marketing advice that you can apply to your company right away. Oneclickagency.com forward slash podcast.